are Locked On Trailblazers, your daily Portland Trailblazers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to a Friday, another Friday with Jason Quick here at our undisclosed coffee shop. Uh, here. Hi, Eric. How you doing? I'm doing all right. Nice, nice. It's a, it's it's Friday. That's all. That's what I can say. I'm excited. As as a day jobber, I'm very excited for the weekend. Yeah. Uh, and a Blazer game to keep a, your week, and weekend a, off. And a Blazer game, exactly. Blazers, Hornets. Uh, I'm very excited. I, I do. I know that Mohawk. This is the. We have a lot of questions to get to, so thank you, all you listeners, for sending questions in. Uh, but the first thing I wanted to talk about was he's out for tonight's game. And. You're talking about Mohawk. Mohawk. Yeah. yeah. And. I know that they're, the training staff has done a good job of kind of managing it throughout the year. I just wonder, and obviously we don't know anything because they were very mum, or at least I don't know anything because they're very mum about it. But I feel like it, the, maybe at some point there has, there maybe is a talk at least with Mo himself about like, does he need to get another procedure? Does he need to yeah. get some kind of injection? Well, I I've talked extensively with Mo about this throughout the season, starting from training camp, and. Basically, this is the situation. It's his left knee. It's the same knee he had surgery on uh, at the end of March. Minor procedure to uh, take out loose bodies. He felt, in retrospect, that he rushed back to get to play in the New Orleans series. And uh, if you recall, he wasn't able to play in, in the last game because uh, he felt soreness in it. Fast forward a little bit. He goes into summer workouts. It's still bothering him. Uh, they do an MRI. It shows no structural damage. Uh, he comes to training camp and is still not really ready to, to participate fully. He did some practices but wasn't able to do everything. Uh, came back, was able to start the season. But I think he played five games maybe. Yeah, and then he was out for And then he was out for 12 games. And since then, uh, he's been... He was just starting to get good again, mm-hmm. getting his bounce back. Uh, the only thing that he had problems with was jumping off that left knee. And he said that was kind of the last hurdle to overcome. But in the course of that, as the Blazers started getting back-to-backs, the team would hold him out. Uh, the first one, I believe, was Memphis, and they did that plan. They didn't want him uh, playing in the second back-to-back second of a back-to-back. The second back-to-back was the Golden State-Philadelphia one. They thought he was going to be ready for that, but after the Golden State game, he woke up and felt soreness, so they took him out. And then the third one was uh, last week in Oklahoma City, Houston. Uh, played against Oklahoma City, was unable to uh, to play against Houston. Actually, it was halftime, I believe, of the Oklahoma City game where he said, my knee's sore and I can't play again. Oh, yeah, that's why Lehman started the right. second half. So, obviously, this is a a concern. It's a lingering thing, and this was supposed to be a minor thing. This is nine months now, and it's still bothering him. But he insists that there's no structural damage. He's had an MRI. uh, Now, 
since taking himself out of the Oklahoma City game, he has not spoken publicly. He's frustrated. This is typical Mo. Mo's a great he, guy, yeah. but he's very moody. He wears his heart on his sleeve, kind yeah. of. Yeah. And I think he's really sick of talking about it. I think he's really frustrated yeah. with what's going on with his knee. He badly wants to play. Uh, so I don't have any real updates on how and uh-huh. what is bugging him, but he said uh, earlier this year that in the Miami game, which was the last game he played before missing 12 straight, that there was a sharp pain that he felt during the game, and uh, it was a little bit different because usual it was a usually it's a dull kind of throbbing pain, and in the Miami game it was more of a sharp pain, and that, that's when he knew to shut it down. I don't know if this one in Oklahoma City was a sharp pain or just more of the dull aching right. stuff. Uh, we haven't been able to talk to Mo, but uh, I think it's it's significant enough. Where I think now where the team is going, look, we're not going to play this game of play you for a couple games, sit you for one, play you for a couple. I think they're going to try to get it right. How much that, how long that takes, we don't know. Yeah, and the team has not given us any updates whatsoever. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, obviously, you know, when when things like this happen, and my mind went here the first time it happened, it was like, at what point does he, and this is all, all we have is our own speculation at this point, because we don't have any concrete info, but it's like, at what point does he consider another procedure? At what point does he consider maybe getting like a PRP injection or something like that? And who knows, maybe he's done that and we just, they haven't told us, who knows, who knows? But, um, I'm, I'm, I'm watching that. Like, I think that that is, is very, to me, it's concerning. Uh, it's huge. They're a different team when he's yeah when he's right yeah and and I guess maybe this is why we're hearing, although it's rumor season and it's worth reminding everybody that rumors usually if they come out into the open, it's usually not going to happen. Um, usually when trades actually happen, we don't really hear about them very much before it happens. So I would like everyone to remember that when you read any rumors, but. That does make me wonder. Maybe they have to pursue something. Maybe they have to look outside. I think even when Mo was healthy, they needed help at wing. Yeah. So I don't. I don't think his injury changes anything. Maybe it maybe intensifies it a little bit. Okay. But I, I still think they needed yeah. wing help to begin with. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. One guy. I mean, he's kind of. I've been. I was frustrated with him a lot because I thought that he was was Jake Lehman. I thought that he was really only effective when he was making shots. Just watching him a little bit, he seems like he's playing with more energy. Yeah, the thing I like about Jake, and I think why you see the team uh, be so effective with him, he runs the plays harder than anyone else. He makes harder cuts, and that is so important to the flow offense, Terry Stott's offense, Mm -hmm. is running plays hard and making the cuts uh, sharply, and Jake does that better than anyone, I think, on the team, so... I think that has helped the fluidity of the offense with him. But certainly his confidence is better, his shot's better. I'm still not ready to anoint him as better than Harkless or should be starting and all that. I mean, we saw last game. I think he went scoreless last yeah, game. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Started. Yeah, no, I, I, I still yeah. think he's a real hit and miss guy. He can catch fire. I don't think he's a bad player by any means, but I think people need to pump the brakes on him being. He's no. not consistent. Yeah. He's he's just not consistent, and that's and that's the thing with him, and that's why the Blazers probably need more wing help. I mean, it's a you know, Aminu's and, consistent on one side of the ball, and then you know, yeah. and, but then but then that offensive 
comes and goes. And they lose a lot with Jake defensively as well. Yeah, he's just not he's just not that same type of defender that Harkless is. Yeah. You know, what we were talking about at the last game I was at with Utah was you know when Harkless and, and Aminu get somebody in the corner, I mean it's the Blazers have nothing else like it. Yeah. I mean when when they can defend like that. And and you look back to the goal, the game at Golden State, the key play of the game when they made when Curry turned it over near half court, mm-hmm. that was Maurice Harkless in those long arms yeah. deflecting his pass that led to a pass break and allowed Portland uh, to tie the game. So yeah. it's little things like that that you look at the score of uh, the stat sheet and you, oh, he had eight points and five rebounds. Yeah, but he Big also deal. had yeah, yeah. <laughs> he also had four deflections and you know mm-hmm. two blocks and. Stuff like that. So Maurice is very, very uh, important to this team. Yeah, very important. And, I mean, it's great to see that the, the, it seems like the coaching staff trusts Lehman a little bit more. He was getting playing time over Stauskas, yeah. which I thought was interesting. Um, That's going to be – I mean, I think right now the rotation is set except for that between Lehman and Stauskas. Seth Curry now with I mean his shooting has been phenomenal his defense very solid I think Seth now is solidified himself as a, a definite rotation player the only unsolved thing is Stauskas and Lehman mm-hmm. of who's going to be that backup wing and I, I think we'll see it flip flop yeah even a couple more times before we get to playoff time right. yeah and I think I mean realistically it's, it's Terry I mean when he gets to the playoffs. I don't think either one of those guys are going to play. I do. You do? Okay. I do because they'll need shooting because teams are going to load up on Damon CJ. That's a good point. And they're going to need a wing to hit an outside shot. Yeah. And it's going to be whoever's got the hotter hand, Stauskas or Lehman. Yeah. No, that's a good point. Well, we're going to take a quick break, and we're going to be back with some more Locked On Blazers. And welcome back to another segment of Locked On Blazers. And... Lately, Damian Lillard has, obviously, we all know that he can score. We all know that he can light it up and really take the game over. What I have liked from him is that even though, you know, CJ's jumper has been mostly missing compared to what we're used to, he's still kind of, he's still, and with Nurkic's evolution, really, Dame has, like, seemed a lot more comfortable just kind of, setting the table for everybody else and and I feel like it seems like he's had a lot of high assist games in a row before I looked it up the other day but it feels it just it looks a little bit different yeah after last game uh, he kind of hit on that that I think it's important to get Nurk going I think it's important uh, when CJ hits the first couple shots to keep that keep feeding him that so it's you know it's another kind of subtle uh, example of his maturation of, of becoming just a complete player yeah. is his game management. I mean, he's very, very smart and uh, he's a willing teammate. He wants other people to succeed. He doesn't need to have the 30-point games every time. He wants to win and I think he plays the game right and I think particularly uh, in the last couple weeks, he has really focused on Nurk more so than anyone that, hey, we're going to exploit the defense and we're going to get you the ball. And, you know, he tells them, get your head up because the ball can be coming to you because they're going to trap me quick. I'm going to throw it to you. So uh, I think I think his game management has been great. I think Dame is having uh, – it, it, it's amazing. You look at him every year and he's improved something. 
every year. And I think this year he did it again. I, I think his defense is even better than it was last year. And I think his game management uh, has taken another step as well. You know, it, it was funny because I feel like there's this – there's always a perception about players, and and I got a question before the season. It's like, do you realistically think Damian Lillard can get better? And and it's just, it's just what he does. Yeah. I mean, it's just what he does every single year. You don't know what it's going to be, yeah. but he he works on something. He gets better at something, and it, and it always, you know, he always just becomes a just adds just a little bit more, and and that's what in my like that really, that's what makes him great. Yeah. You know, that's like, it's not to say that. You know, we've been bashing CJ a little bit, but it's it's just different with Dame. It's just you know, it's like you know, CJ's good at what he's great at, and and that's great. But Lillard just adds like these little tiny things every every now and then. And it's I feel like it's more noticeable, and and he really puts the team on his back for you know. It's a it's a great example for the rest of the team. Yeah, you know, to never rest on your laurels when you have the best player on the team coming back every summer with improvements that's an incredibly motivating thing Mm -hmm. and it's an incredibly uh, I don't know if humbling is the right word but it's like oh yeah he's great he's first team all NBA and he's still obsessed with improving himself yeah I think that's a great carrot for the rest of the team no yeah it it definitely is and I think that it's also been cool because I've noticed this over the past couple of years you know I, I know that when Blazer fans watch Chris Paul do it they get a little annoyed but Dame has become quite the ambassador with the referees. I mean, he is... Oh, well, that's one way to put it. Yeah, yeah. He, I, I would call it a complainer. Yeah, I mean, he complains a lot. And, Too and, much. Yeah, but it, the game against Oklahoma City, he was doing it all game, and then he got that four-point play call, and he, he, he tries to bait the officials every game with that. And he usually doesn't get the call until the fourth quarter, and it's... Listen, it's not fun to watch. I don't think Dane really enjoys it. But that's unfortunately what superstars have to do in the NBA to get calls. I disagree. But yeah. I, you know, look, I have a tremendous, tremendous amount of respect for Dame. I love the way he goes about his life and his game, but it bugs me to no end <laughs> how, he, how he treats the refs. Yeah. I mean, it, it's become... Almost to Rashid Wallace levels, not the vulgarity and the, the violence of it, but, but just, just the, the, the obsession. Tap, the tap, tap. He's yeah. constantly like he's every, every possession, he's tapping on the officials. Yeah, and I <laughs> and I worry that it's gonna take away from his game, take away from his focus, and uh, I think it's become so all encompassing and. I worry about it. So, you think so, he's gone, you, you think he's gone a little too far in that direction? I do, but, you know, I think it came to a head in that Golden State game when he got a technical at the end. Uh-huh. And I think since then, he's been better. I think he's been better. Uh, and so I'm wondering if someone got in his ear mm-hmm. and said, hey, I think you're going a little too far with this. I, I, I want to pull him aside and talk to him about it. Yeah. No, it, it, it's interesting because I, I feel like he's been doing that a lot more and he gets a ton of free throws. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he, he does. So he gets calls. Yeah, no, he, he definitely does. He's definitely worked on that part of his game, getting the line, drawing more fouls. But I think it's interesting that it's like that, to me, it's like that little, it's it's a little bit Napoleonic, but he's just yeah. really just like, it's just relentless. And, it is. And uh, I, I think it's pretty interesting. But um, I think we're going to take one more break, and then we're going to answer some of your questions. Right on. So...
Back to another segment of Locked on Blazers, and we're here to answer some of your questions. Thanks for sending questions in on Twitter, um, and I guess we'll start with this one. Are you concerned by C.J. McCollum's play this season, or do you think he'll be able to get back into form after the All-Star break? That's from uh, Quinton Alberti. I am concerned about C.J.'s play this year. Uh, we've talked about it before. Um, do I think he can get back into form after the All-Star break? Sure. Uh, I think last game against Chicago was one of his better games. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was just making his shots for one. But I think one thing that has happened in maybe the last three games, I would say, I'm noticing C.J. becoming a more willing passer. And I think that is helping his overall game. Uh, because at times I think he can become he can force it a little bit and he becomes a little too dribble happy mm-hmm. so uh, I think that's a good sign uh, to him become just a more complete player but yeah this has been uh, let's not sugarcoat this has been a terrible yeah. first half of the season for CJ and it's I've said this before if the Blazers are going to make that jump into becoming a relevant team in the West they needed him to make a jump mm-hmm. and to be in the conversation as an all-star and he's not he's not worthy or deserving of any all-star no, conversation no. if any I know the Blazers uh, team social yeah. account is trying to push votes for CJ but if anybody if Nurk, Nurk yeah. if anybody's deserving of extra all-star buzz yeah. it's Nurkic because uh, he's been phenomenal and yeah. CJ has just frankly not been um, to his credit though he's owning this he's owning his play uh, he realizes that he's not playing up to his level. Uh, he's not shying away from it. He's continuing to work. And I think, as I said, you know, with, with his uh, being more willing to pass, I think that shows that, okay, I need to help another. Yeah, I, I think earlier in the season, my read on it was the way Stotts changed his role, I think, and kind of, he has the ball in his hands less. I just can't, yeah. you know, but he. It felt like he was overcompensating to get his whenever he got the ball, and it like but you know the fact that he's passing. I mean, he's always been a scorer first, but it felt like the blinders were on a little bit more earlier in the season, yeah. and maybe that is changing. And hopefully, by not pressing as much, he can just kind of relax more into the role that they need him to play. Yeah. So. Um, uh, Odds that the Blazers make a trade, bring in talent, not a salary dump like last year. That's from Blazers by Sagar. Um, I don't know. What are the odds that the Blazers make a trade? I don't know, 25%? Yeah, I'd probably put 25 to 40%. Yeah, yeah. I would not go above 50, though. Yeah. Yeah. I think the big hindrance is their roster is not really attractive to other teams. No. Yeah. Uh, they, I believe they only have one expiring contract of significance. Yeah, and that's what I mean. Al- Al- yeah, and they need him, so they're not getting rid of him. Right. So uh, so there's not a lot of attractive people that other teams would want to take. So no. I think that's going to make it difficult for Neil Olshay to Yeah. to move the needle. Yeah. <laughs> I guess if they will, it will it would take something like giving up a first round pick, which yeah. has been it seems like that's the asking price for a lot of these teams that are I mean, that's what the asking price every year, though, at the deadline. Everybody wants a first-round pick. And Olshay, like, I I can't see him giving up a first. 
I can't either. Like he, he. I mean, it, it depends. Yeah, you know? yeah. It depends. It depends on who it is, but. For me, I can't really see him giving up a first. Uh, Certainly not a first for Jeremy Lin. No, that was re- re- reported by. The, yeah, that was that was. That doesn't pass the sniff test. No, it does not. And uh, first of all, Turner is already their backup point guard, so I I don't buy the uh, the the notion that they don't have a backup point guard. To me, that that's not true. Turner. Just because he's six seven, he is the point guard. Like it doesn't mean he's not the point guard. And so, I, I don't see that trade. It doesn't make any sense to me. Orlando for maybe Terrence Ross makes a little bit more sense to me. But Jonathan uh, Simmons as well. Yeah, Jonathan Simmons. But you know, uh, you're still giving up a first round pick for those guys. And I don't know if Olshay believes in giving up that kind of draft capital for a guy that. Might, that might not be here at the end of the year. Yeah, know? so right now, what, the Blazers' first-round pick would be in the 20 range, probably? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so that's what you have to look at. I, I don't know how good a draft class this is, but... The, the, uh, the draft people say that outside of Zion Williamson, it's not that great. Okay, so that... So maybe... I make it more willing yeah. to part with the yeah. first round. Pick. Yeah, and that, that's that's from all the draft people that I follow. Um, well, we already answered the Jeremy Lin thing. Uh, in your opinion, who do you think is a good target for uh, the Blazers? Well, I think they need to get better depth at wing. Okay. Uh, or if they're going to deal CJ, they need to get a wing, a comparable shooting guard. Yeah. So I mean, God, at first blush, I mean, I love Chris Middleton, Milwaukee. Yeah. Uh, I think Tony Snell too, Milwaukee. Those are. Uh, some guys who can, you know, three and D mm-hmm. a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, I like it, I like Richardson kid from Miami. Oh man, as well. I, yeah, he's great. I he, think he would be wonderful. Yeah, he'd be great. But I feel like you'd have to give up CJ if you wanted to get him. I think I'd be okay with that. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it, but CJ makes so dang much money. Yeah, six mil. Yeah, you know, how, how do you feel about the CJ for Auto Porter? Because hmm. they they're make about the exact same money. Yeah. I, I don't hate it. I, yeah. I, I mean, Porter so much fits a lot of the needs that the Blazers have. He's a great defender. He's willing. Is he a great defender? Yeah, yeah. 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 I, I think, he, yeah, he's he's got size. He's like 6'8". He can play the four if you want him, if you need him yeah. to. And he's also, one thing about Otto Porter that I like is that he's performed in the playoffs before mm-hmm. and has played well in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. And He's overpaid, but when you're Portland, you can't really get hung up on right. what is considered an overpay. Yeah. And, and I think you can argue CJ's overpaid. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, I, I I'd be interested in a move like that just because he helps, and especially with the mo and his knee. Right. You really need some security there right. to to defend, and it would definitely take okay. another playmaker out there. So if you do CJ for Otto Porter, who steps in and plays two for the Blazers? Curry, I think you'd yeah. have to start Curry. Yeah. I, unless unless Terry wants to preserve Curry coming off the bench and start Stauskas yeah. or something like that, yeah. which I could I could also see him doing that. Uh, I mean I, I, I like that trade. Yeah. If I were Portland though, you're letting because the Wizards apparently want off that contract. Yeah. I'm asking for compensation. Yeah. I want some extra second round picks or yeah. you know like yeah. and Olshay is. 
for all the criticism, he's pretty good at that stuff. He's yeah. pretty good at the haggling and getting a pick. I mean, the fact that he got a first-round pick in return with Nurkic right. is, is, you know, one of those deals. And I think there's no – he loves CJ so much. I don't see him making a move and getting rid of CJ for Porter, who might be better, but – Losing a guy that he really loves in CJ without getting something else back on top right. of it, I, right. I feel like Olshay, that's his mo. And plus, when he does that, you know, he's a guy that loves to make the deal. He loves to look at like, look at this great deal I made. Yeah. And I feel like he wouldn't make a deal unless it looked like a slam dunk. Right. Um, and then speaking of Olshay, we have a question from Jared Cowley. Uh, do you wish Neil Olshay had a more accessible relationship with the local media? Is it beneficial for a GM to keep this level of distance with the local media, or would it be better for the GM to be more open and accessible? And this is a question for you, since I do not know any of the other GMs. What has your relationship with different Blazers GMs been like? So this is more of a question. That last part is more of a question for you. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I'll answer the first part. Yes, of course I wish Neil Olshay was more accessible to the local media. It would be nice uh, to have some sort of insight on where the team is going other than, like, reading the tea leaves um, and trying to figure out things from outside of the team. You know, like, you're, you're obviously it just makes the job harder. I mean, it, re- yeah. it really does. So uh, that's my view of it is, is it just makes the job harder for us. I don't know. I guess for him it's probably, I don't know, it seems like it's beneficial or else he wouldn't, I don't think he'd keep the distance. But, again, who knows if it's actually beneficial? I, I really can't answer. Well, it, it's – look, where the media comes in play for the team, for people like Bolshay and Stotts, is we're a connection to the fans. Mm-hmm. And the fans are ultimately their customers. Yeah. And so it's a way to uh, – help the customers understand where they're coming from. They don't need to say, hey, we're looking to trade for X player or we're looking to unload this X, player. Yeah. Uh, but you can you can provide nuance to... Background. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so, some kind doing. of knowledge. So, uh, you know, I, he can do what he wants. Uh, yeah. He knows what he's doing. Uh, is it frustrating? Yes. Have other GMs in my tenure? Um, you know, I think I've run the gamut. Uh, Witsit was uh, not very willing to be quoted on the record, but he was uh, very helpful about long-term, you know, uh, he, he would give a very detailed picture into where they see the team Developing, or you know, hey, this guy's just a short-term guy, or we're looking to do this. Uh, John Nash uh, and Steve Patterson were. Patterson was difficult to work with. Nash was very helpful and very uh, easy to talk to. Kevin Pritchard was the best. Kevin understood Portland and understood the connection between the fan base and the team, and was very helpful in kind of painting that picture of. Uh, why guys were valuable and what type of players they were looking for, uh, where he envisioned the team going. I think, and I think those were the years that this team really fell back in love with, or this town 
go back in love with this team. Yeah. It's no, because yeah. Kevin helped that because he provided a vision of where they were going, what types of players they valued. And I think people really latched onto that and, and really bought in. Yeah. I mean, I can't remember more acrimony from when a GM has ever been fired. And, you know, yeah. you know when, when, when Pritchard got fired, I mean, every Blazers fan I felt like was up yeah. in arms. And, and yeah, I mean, it, it does engender some goodwill. So in that yeah. respect, it's beneficial. beneficial. So, yeah, um, yeah I don't know. I, it's, it's obviously, you know, it, it, like you said, he knows what he's doing. Uh, would it be great to have more inside? Sure. Uh, yeah. But I don't think it's making or breaking his day to day. I don't think it, I don't, I don't, no, th- he, I, I, I don't care so little. I, I don't think he cares at all. So, yeah, um, yeah I mean, it, it's an interesting topic, though, especially when you look at other markets and what the GMs do for those teams yeah. uh, in those markets. Uh, it's. But I don't. I don't think it's going to change. But yeah. I did, I'm not going to sit here and bellyache about what Neil Olshan no. does. No, so. I will say it does give the fans a lot more uh, ammunition when he doesn't talk to the media. It gives the fans a lot more ammunition to kind yeah. of uh, well, like yes, yesterday. Like the, did you see that the Blazers wished him happy birthday? Yeah. And all the comments were yeah. like, have, "Have a like bifurcate your birthday yeah. or whatever." Yeah. Like, well, I mean, that, that's the thing is that when he does speak. Uh, he has spoken down to the fans, and I think I yeah. think it was after last season where he really lost the fan base by well, his show in uh, at, at, in his press conference. Well, and, and he would go on NBA TV, and he'd be like, "We're not a desire." He would just say, "Like we're yeah. not a desirable market." It's like yeah. he just gives up, and it's just like I don't know. It, it, I don't know that he gives. Well, up. it's not that he gives up, but he gives the impression that it's like so difficult. It's a, it's a, it's, it's yeah. like a Sisyphus, you know, type of task that like, obviously history shows us that free agents, not a lot of free agents other than Brian Grant have really willingly come here. Andre but, Miller. Andre Miller, you know, but, but it's, it's not, it's not that cut and dry. And I think one of the things that I think well, you've said before is that he's just, he's also not, he's a big market guy. He's yeah. from New York. He built his chops in LA. Yeah. Like he he does look at Portland, I think, even though he won't say it, as a small potato. Absolutely, I think in order to sell Portland, you have to love Portland. Yeah. You have to understand Portland. Yeah. I don't think he understands Portland. I don't think he likes Portland. Yeah. Um, so, look, and and the whole thing about we could talk on and on about free agency and why people haven't chosen here. Yeah. One. For a long time, the Blazers didn't have free agent money because they were the most expensive roster. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, no, you're right, you're right, and and the luxury tax stuff, and also, I mean, before, uh, you know, the, I will say that the after Paul's spending spree in those early two thousands, the Vulcans wanted to rein it in. If if, the, if I'm not mistaken, you know, they didn't want him to. It wasn't a he wasn't gonna go into the tax unless it was a you know a thing. But look, I with Neil, I think he has some strengths and he has some weaknesses. And I think his weakness has been free agency. Mm-hmm. I think he's a very very good evaluator of talent and draft. I think he drafts pretty well. Yeah. And I think he has a sharp eye for uh, for talent. You know, plucking a. Maurice Hartless and Shabazz Napier. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Seth Curry. Seth Curry. You know, he gets, uh, I think I've said this before, he's a great singles hitter. Right. Know, but I think this team right now needs some doubles and home runs. Yeah. And, uh, 
But anyways. Yeah. No. Um, Damian Lillard's going to play tonight. I don't know if you all heard that, yeah. but he is going to play tonight. That elbow is good enough to play. Um, and, well, they have a back-to-back this weekend. Sunday, mo- well, not this weekend. Sunday, Monday. Yeah. Uh, that game against Denver is going to be big. Obviously, Portland Huge. wants. And Will Barton may or may not be back for that. He, ah. He's... he's, uh, he's Getting healthier. That's what the update from the Nuggets. So they might get him back. So it might be even tougher than normal. So uh, and then Sacramento, another maybe Nurk gets five by five number two. Yeah. So uh, Jason, anything else that you wanted to say before we wrap up today's episode? No, I think if you're a Blazer fan, you have to like the way the team is playing right now. Yeah. You have to like their position. Uh, yeah, fourth in the West right now. Yep. Now a lot of obviously they're kind of recent run has been because they're playing a bunch of cupcakes. Yeah. So I think uh, this upcoming back-to-back is really, really important. The yeah. Denver, Sacramento, I think that'll tell you where they're at. But still, uh, if they take care of business tonight against Charlotte, you got to tip your cap to the Blazers because it's easy for teams to drop games like against New York, Chicago, It's always easier. It's, I, I, this is what I've learned you know, now. It's always easier for teams to play up yeah. Than it is to take care of business, yeah. you know. Like, so, I feel like the, you know the de- that's the difference between the Blazers and the Wizards. Yeah, is the Blazers win the games that they're supposed to, yep. and, and 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 so they've done that. And I know that it gets boring for people sometimes, but yeah, it, it's working. I don't know what the record is against teams with losing records. The, the guys, I, the only losses I can think of are Washington early in the year. Yeah, uh, they lost to Memphis, mm-hmm. Dallas. Uh, but other than that, they've done pretty well. I yeah, think. I don't think they've lost to. They beat New Orleans, didn't they? Yeah, they, yep, beat, New they beat New Orleans. Oh, Minnesota. They lost to oh, Minnesota. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, Minnesota's yeah. almost at 500, so they've done a good job yeah. winning the games they're supposed to win. Yeah. And that's one sign of a good team is you take care of business against those guys. So I think you have to be happy at the way this week has transpired. Yeah, and, and trade rumors are not. The fact that they've played well gives Neil Olshay a reason to maybe part ways with a first-round pick for X player. So um, that is, I think, if you were hoping for a trade, probably the most hopeful uh, thing that you can take. And look, Neil's not an idiot. No, he's he's, he's very smart. He's very smart. smart. And he's going to try to... If he sees an opportunity to make this team better, he's going to pounce on it. Yeah. Because let's face it, there's windows to make a move in this league are very small. And right now, he's got a window with this team because they're right around 50 wins. They're going to be right around 50 wins. They have a chance to advance. So he's got to pounce on this. It's not like he can sit on his hands and say, let's wait this, let's let this develop a little bit right. more. Right. No, and I think, you know, we, we talked about this the other day, and, and Dame is never going to complain. But it would feel, I'm, I'm sure if I... If, like putting myself in Dame's shoes, it would feel good to see the GM make a move and do something. It's like I trust that you can do this and you can take this team, and it would feel good for him after all the sweat and stuff that yeah. he's put into this team. And I think this fan base needs it. Yes, they I, do. I think I think it's become stale. This group has become they're likable, they're successful, but it's stale. No, I, and I think that has some kind of play. I, I think if they don't make a move in at the trading deadline and they get bounced in the first round this team's in a little bit of a turmoil as far as well uh, we had a little technical difficulty there at the end (laughs) but uh, anyway keep listening to Locked On Blazers we have five podcasts for you to go listen to Uh, keep an eye on that trade deadline Uh, it's coming up and uh, 
the Blazers, February 7th. February 7th. The Blazers are in a very, very interesting spot right now. Actually, so less than less than a month yeah. between now and the trade deadline. So uh, it's going to be very interesting. And like you're saying, I mean, it's a, it's a more positive time. There's more positive vibes for this team, and maybe they do make a move. Obviously, our boy Brandon Sprague said that they should trade CJ, but I I just can't see it. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. We'll see, though. We'll see, though. There's pressure. That's for sure. So keep it (laughs) locked here, and we'll be back with you next week.